is the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast, a true eye-opening experience. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Normal Guy Lazy Eye Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Jared Magazine, and this week's topic is health, wellness, and fitness. And I'm unofficially officially calling 2021 the year of you. And I know that sounds cliche and kind of silly, but I thought 2020 was obviously a year where our priorities and our focuses were heavily on our our physical health, our health of our friends and family, and obviously keeping others safe. And I think with the end on the horizon, and clearly we still have to focus on those things as we're not, you know, 100% eradicated of the COVID, vac- uh, COVID virus by any stretch of the imagination. But I do think with, with, the, with the light at the end of the tunnel, we can start focusing on things like our health and our wellness, whether that's eating better this year or working out from home and finding new ways to do that or when gyms open up, going to the gym more often, walking more, whatever it may be. And I couldn't think of a better person to talk about this than with my dear friend, Nat Mitchell. Now, Nat is a fellow friar. We graduated both together in 2019. She's also a fellow Division One athlete, part of the field hockey team there for four years. And how I got to having Nat on the podcast is actually kind of funny. Like three months after graduating, I came across this page on my Explore page called Naturally Being Nat. And all I could see were these incredible pictures of healthy, delicious looking food. And I go to the page and I start realizing, wait a minute, I know this person and it's Nat Mitchell from Providence. And I'm like, wait a minute, Nat, you're running this crazy successful page, has tens of thousands of followers. And like, how'd you do it? And so we have this great conversation about her page, but also about sustainable, healthy ways of living. You know, we're both recent college grads. There's no, you know, we're not sitting here telling you to buy the $1,900 Peloton, $1,500 mirror, always get Lululemon, always get the sweet green salad for lunch, but finding different ways to ball on a budget, finding different ways to maintain body positivity, maintaining ways to keeping a uh, safe and healthy physical and mental health. And it's just an all-around great episode, great interview with her. I, 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 My biggest thing for you to take away from this episode is to walk away feeling rejuvenated, feeling ready to tackle this year ahead of us with a, a you know new focus on health and wellness for the new year in 2021. So I really hope you enjoy this. It's a great interview, great episode with my dear friend, Natalie Mitchell. All right, guys. Well, we have another Friar family here on the podcast today. Natalie. Mitchell is a former Division I field hockey player from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. She played four years with the Friars and is now running her very own food and lifestyle blog called Naturally Being Nat. Go check her out at naturallybeingnat.com or follow her on Instagram at naturallybeingnat. Nat, thank you so much for coming on. I've been excited about this one, uh, not only because I've always loved talking to the Friar family, but I'm excited to talk a little bit about something that maybe we don't talk about enough. <laughs> oh, thanks for having me. I'm actually really excited because I haven't talked to you in so long and yeah. I've been so out of the whole prior thing because I was supposed to go to the alumni weekend and that didn't happen. So very excited to be talking to another prior again now that I'm back in Philly. I love it. I love it. Yeah, we're talking about, you know, really just how to take care of our bodies, take care of our minds, wellness and health. And I think something that a lot of people right now really need to talk about. I think in this pandemic and, you know, we're recording this in October, but I think like 
it's kind of maybe something that we've kind of steered away from. Obviously, priorities have shifted, priorities have changed, but we do have to take care of ourselves. My friend Dee Murthy, who was on the podcast a while ago, said health is wealth. And I think that's the most important thing, right? Right. I 100% agree. I think so many people, when they think about health and fitness, it's only talking about what type of actual food we're putting in our body and what kind of pressure we put on our body. But really it's all around wellness, whether it's how you sleep, it's how you are with your relationships, it's how you are mentally stable or, you know, things that are going on that are stresses in your life also affect what types of food you eat and truly enjoy. So yeah, I think that it's so important right now more than ever. And I think a lot of people are coming to see that, especially with this pandemic, that it's more than just what you put in your body and do for your body. Um, it's also your mind is so important. Yeah, definitely. So I want to, let's start at the beginning as we do with every guest. Uh, so you're, you're, you're born in Philadelphia. Uh, you're straight from Philly. They're not from outside of Philly. You wanted to make that very clear before we hopped on. Um, but did you have any brothers or sisters growing up or do you have any brothers and sisters? Yeah, I actually have a twin brother who, um, we're very close. We were both, we both played sports growing up and everything. Um, he stayed back in Philly area when I went to college, but now that I'm back, um, we are living together. So yeah, grew up with a twin brother. He's my only twin though. I mean, my only sibling. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so obviously you, and I'm sure the podcast knows by now, I also have a twin brother, but we don't live together. We did not go to the same school. We like, I don't know, like we just spent a week together recently. And like, by the end, I was like ready to rip his head off. Love him to death. Love you, Aaron. But I like, you know, like a week was enough. So how are you dealing right now with living with your brother again and kind of being home during all this? Yeah. So that is probably even more a twin thing than anything. Cause you grow up- <laughs> Everyone knows you when you go to school together. And um, yeah, I mean, like anyone living with your family after you graduate from college can have his ups and downs, but definitely yes. more ups. Love them to death. We do get on our nerves. Me and my brother are sharing a bathroom again, which is a whole nother story. Um, <laughs> but love them. I mean, it's fun. I might be moving out soon. So we'll see what that happens. But I've loved my time back spending with them after being away for four years. Yeah, definitely. So, and then you talked a little bit about growing up, you played a lot of sports, like obviously with your brother and all that, but when did you, like, when was it like really getting into sports and more specifically field hockey? Yeah. So fun fact, I actually played basketball as my main sport growing up. My dad played basketball as well. um, And he was a runner, but I stopped growing in the fifth grade. I am five foot one. So, you know, the glory days of basketball (laughs) got taller I figured that I needed to pick a sport that was closer um, to my height. And field hockey tends to be pretty big for the short community. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then I started playing. I actually wanted to quit in the sixth grade, turned myself around. And then um, I kind of started getting more serious really late in the game, not until uh, my sophomore year of high school. So I played all growing up, um, but then I decided to play travel and start um, doing recruiting things a little bit later, but that's when I kind of was like, I'm going to do field hockey. I love it. Let's go. Yeah. I, I was the same way. Like, I think everyone hits that. Like I started swimming when I was 10, like competitively, like by, by like sixth grade, so like two years in, three years in, I was like ready to quit. I was like faking colds, but my dad would never like let me just skip practice. So I had to like get creative and I like ran a thermometer under boiling hot water and put it in my mouth to say I have a fever. I think everyone hits that rough patch like <laughs> 
whether it's like yeah. in the beginning, towards the end, whatever it is. Yeah, it's it's funny because I started playing lacrosse then, mm. also of my sophomore year, and I was like, oh my gosh, I love this, and I was kind of going back and forth. Very glad that I picked field hockey, mainly right. because Providence also does not have a D1 lacrosse program right now. Right. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of how it all went about, and I'm really glad that I made that decision. But I played so many sports. I played probably or tried everything under the moon. Mm. My mom was a uh, pro tennis player. She oh, tried wow. to get me into that. I honestly could not at all. Like I couldn't get it. It was not my thing. But we tried it, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, so would you say like by, by your sophomore year, the goal was like, I want to go D1. I want to play sports in college. Like when you started taking it a little bit more seriously, like was that like this is what I want to do? Yeah, 100%. I'm very much a competitive person, probably more competitive than anyone should be. But um, I knew right off the bat that my whole goal was to play in college, whichever sport it was going to be. Growing up, I knew I wanted to play a sport in college. Yeah. Um, that's when I was like, all right, I'm going to start playing. And I started the recruitment process. Um, but D1 was always my goal. But I didn't want just D1. I wanted to make sure that it was a good fit for me. Um, Providence hit both of like my main targets, which would be a big school feel, but in a little school. So that was yes. a big point for me. I loved how big, like the basketball was and the ice hockey right. and everyone loved athletics at Providence. Um, but then I also, you know, this being an athlete, it gets really challenging when you travel. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted a smaller school, um, closer to my professors, stuff like that. So those are the two things that were really big for me. Yeah, I preach those things about Providence whenever I talk to anyone about it. I like it's 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 unlike anything else because like I don't really know of any like smaller schools with a big school feel. Like I'm sure there are, but like I think there's like Providence is on that perfect balance of that, and like there are small schools that don't necessarily have the athletic powerhouse that Providence is, and then vice versa. There's not many big schools that you have that like small school feel, obviously. Right, exactly. So that's why I. Well, I, I did want to have D1 in my mind, but at the same time, like I visited a couple other schools that were huge and I was like, you know what? Like I could just feel myself not like doing well here. Right. Um, and I also really wanted to go to New England. So, you know, I had a couple stipulations. Yeah, I love it. So let's let's indeed talk about our time at Providence for a second. Obviously, you know, two big Friar fans here, um, but I do want to touch on a subject that maybe doesn't get discussed amongst college athletes enough and that's body positivity and what I mean by this uh is it's fair to assume that like d1 athletes are quote-unquote like tip-top shape right like you know if you're a d1 athlete you must be in shape that's the that's the you know the stigma right but that doesn't necessarily mean that that individual that's you know at the peak of their performance or in tip-top shape is necessarily happy with their body right? Because we see on social media so much of like what we should look like. And sometimes being an athlete doesn't necessarily allow you to look like that. And so I guess the question I have is like, did you see that a lot amongst your other D1 counterparts at Providence, or even amongst your teammates? And how did you like see that shaping who they were becoming? Yeah, this is a huge thing, in my opinion. And um, it's something that I really feel passionate about trying to help other athletes um through this because you know I distinctly remember freshman year I came in decently strong but I was competitive when it came into the weight room I was trying to get as strong as possible I was trying to get as fast as possible 
at the same time, I gained a lot more muscle than I had from my high school years, right? right? And just naturally, you get older, you develop, and I saw a lot of change in my mental then. You know, I was like, why don't I look like the average college girl? Like, I have muscles that are bigger than some of the guys on the soccer team. Right. <laughs> I mean, okay, we won't tell them that, but yeah. <laughs> But I mean, like, it was that kind of, I was like, okay. And then yes. it kind of gets to you a little bit and you start to downplay all the strength that you have. And, you know, that concept of, oh, like, kind of like we're working out to get skinny or, you know, stuff like that. Instead right. of just focusing on how well you're doing on the field or in the pool, um, how well you're doing in the weight room, how you're doing in classes as well. All of that stuff, um, when you see from an outside view it's difficult and I've learned more now being out of athletics that so many of my um, fellow athletic friends struggled with this in college you know it's not something that's talked about while you're actually playing the sport or seasons or anything Um, I feel like a lot of people don't except Providence did come out with you're never alone in Friartown which is I think a great start yeah Um, but it's something that I realized was even bigger than just my own feelings after college. So to me, I know that there's probably a lot of other um, men and women. And I think that's a huge thing. It's not just females mm-hmm. um, in athletics that struggle with this. And I think like, it's just something that needs to be talked about more. Yeah. I mean, you hit it right on the head. Like I, I definitely do think it's men and women, right? Like I struggled with it in my time at Providence mainly because right. Like you see what I saw, like in the weight room going up with Emmett Holt and the basketball team. And then, you know, even the soccer guys, like, as you said, you might have more muscle than, but they looked so lean. And so they did, they did so many cool, good things in the weight room. And I was like, I'm on the same regiment i maybe not be lifting as much or i may not be doing the same drills but we're on the same schedule of lifting why don't i look like that and then i had like the swimmer counterparts my teammates that looked way better than i did and i was just like i don't look the part of a d1 athlete i don't feel the part of a d1 athlete so i think it's even inverse like you know people that people that are athletes that don't fit the mold still have that like body negativity of like why don't I look like the athlete that I'm supposed to be looking like right and I think it also comes down to when even I look at my own team and then you look across every other team they're doing the same exact workouts Mm -hmm. they might be eating the same exact foods they might have the same class schedules right but we will all look different we all will process like foods differently. We'll all gain weight in different areas and strength in different areas. And I think that makes us so unique. And that's what makes a team so powerful is because we all have these strengths and weaknesses. But when it comes down to, again, like the body positivity and looking at, you know, I don't fit the mold of what a field hockey player is, or I don't fit the mold of a swimmer, right? What mold is there? Like, is there a mold or right. is it something we've come up in our heads of what we should be looking like? Yeah, but right. Obviously, I just my team right off the bat, and I'm like, I'm short. There's other people who are taller. There's other people who are just faster or stronger, or just have different abilities. There's no way any of us can just look like a field hockey player, but we all imagine it. 
Yeah, because I think like you see like I mean I don't know like I we like growing up I saw Phelps and like that's the epitome of a swimmer and like no one in their right mind will ever look or do what he did, and I think part of it's genetic, part of it was his training for sure. But like there like to your point, there comes a time where you have to realize like we are all different. We're all gonna react to food different ways react to working out different ways lose weight in different areas gain weight in different areas so to say like you're the next phelps as far as like what he looks like probably never going to happen again right and i think it also just when it comes down to it too it's so hard to focus on how you look versus how you perform right when mm. you know you you're trying to compare yourself to other girls or other guys but you know, you have so many things that you want to perform on the field or in the pool and you have to eat to perform. You have to do mental help for yourself in order to perform. You have to be your best in order to be there. You have to rest. You have to um, train. You have to do all these things that aren't just, you know, the average Joe. And that's hard when you look at social media and all these different girls and guys doing things but it's a completely different lifestyle too. Absolutely. And I think this ties into a great topic, you know, athlete to athlete, right? Obviously Bob Jusko and I talked about it on his episode and you kind of talked about it, how Providence brought on um, You're Never Alone in Friartown. But I think, right, the, the topic of mental health in student athletes, there's this stigma of like, you have to be tough. You have to be ready for game day. You have to be ready for any situation. But obviously we're all human. But I think this kind of goes back to um, not just athletes, right? Mental health kind of has this stigma of, you know, oh, there's something wrong with them if they're talking about mental health or, oh, they've, you know, they're sensitive because they talk, want to talk about mental health. But how do we as people have open conversations about this and how do we make it normal to talk about this? Yeah, I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with to say their struggles out loud because like you said, um, tough mentality, right? And I think one of the biggest things when it's just opening up a conversation with someone is to not call them out for what you notice that they might be struggling with and not maybe even saying like, hey, are you okay? But hey, like, let's go get grab coffee or hey, how's this going? Or bringing up things that you know would bring them joy um, and having just a meaningful conversation, letting them talk, because that's when things start to come up. And it, even if they don't come up in the first conversation, you've created a sense of trust. And mm. when it comes to mental health, someone who's struggling that is very tough on the outside will probably take a little bit to get into the inside of them. Right. Definitely. Right. I mean, people like, I mean, athletes and even other people who aren't athletes, I think because of the culture of hustling all the time and not letting anyone see you cry. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. My coach told me a couple of times it's okay to cry. And I still didn't. (laughs) Exactly. Um, you know, it took me a while to ever break down my actual emotions, but you know, it makes you so much more tougher. And I, that's a big thing that I wish I could get across to more athletes is that you're actually stronger when you realize what your weaknesses are because then you become tougher when you overcome them, right? If we keep bottling all these weaknesses inside of us, we're just going to internally keep struggling and eventually it's going to be a cry for help instead of just 
trying to maybe talk it out with someone you trust. Yeah, definitely. And I think like going back to that, like it's not just athletes, right? Like we've had entrepreneurs on the show. We've had singers and songwriters, like everyone struggles with it, but everyone like has a way to, if, you know, to overcome it, their, their business, their music, their sport, their, whatever it is, is going to be so much better. Their performance is going to be better in whatever that they're doing. So I think if we have these type of quote unquote, normal conversations about mental health, it's going to really just benefit everybody. I don't think it only benefits those who are say struggling with mental health issues. Right. Yeah. I think once you break the stigma that, you know, it's okay to say what's on your mind that might not seem strong. It creates a wave for your whole team or your friendships, right? Once someone becomes comfortable saying what is on their mind, you know, it makes a sense of comfort for others to maybe relate to it or discuss the topic, right? I think the hardest part is having someone start it, right? But it just becomes a storm and you can have such open conversations with your teammates then it becomes a normalcy to when freshmen maybe come in, if we're already talking about things like this. Yeah. I think that's super important too, is like the being open to it so that when you do bring new people in, whether it's freshmen on an athletic team, new hires in a workplace, whatever it may be, like they realize like, okay, this is normal to talk about. So like, I'm happy to share with what's what's going through me or what's going on with my story and my situation. So I think that's a, that's a great thing too. Yeah. I think also just why, like on my Instagram, I, I do provide like a lot of motivation to like you yeah. know, go after, go after your goals and, you know, wake up, drink the coffee and get after it. But I also 100% am trying to be like, look, take your rest, take your mental health, do something for yourself, be, you know, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I try to show even um, if I'm vulnerable or anything that day, like it's normal and it's okay. Right. You can be strong and you can also be, you know, unsure of life or not really understanding what's going on, confused, frustrated, stressed. All these things are so normal, but they're not normalized. Right. right. Definitely. Couldn't agree more. So let's talk about the page. Um, so naturally being that, when did you start the page and how did you get the inspiration to, to get this thing going? Yeah. So um, me, like every other person our age was trying to make pretty looking food um, just on their own. Yeah. And, you know, this was, I started it my senior season, um, senior season of college. And it was, towards the end of field hockey. And I was like, I'm going to have to try to figure out something else to do in my spare time. Right. Right. What am I going to do when my season ends and I become an actual college student? (laughs) I guess I'm party, but (laughs) um, so I just started taking pictures of the food. I told not one soul. I lived with five other girls and did not tell them. Um, They would see me take pictures when they, but I tried to do it when they weren't in class. Um, And I just really got the inspiration because I've honestly found a love with cooking. I, sorry for everyone who goes to Providence College, um, but I truly was not a fan of the food. Um, We'll get to that. Yep. (laughs) I spent way too much money in my beginning years going out and buying food. And I was like, you know what? I can cook. My mom taught me how to cook. Um, And I started creating um, different recipes especially breakfasts, um, but I just started getting really creative, trying things that 
maybe it didn't turn out great in the beginning, but I just kept getting like more ideas and more as I went. I was like, you know, let me start this page. Kind of just went from there. Yeah. Didn't really tell anyone unless they found it. Still to this day, it's the same thing. <laughs> I love that. And so like, I think, you know, like going back to the food, like, do you think you were more aware of the fuel you were putting in your body when you were an athlete and, and I don't want to say struggling, but dealing with, right. Um, you know, dining hall food or it's late or it's too early that the dining hall is open. We struggled a lot with that with swimming. Cause our meets were on Saturday mornings and our, you know, or Saturday afternoons, but we couldn't get breakfast because the, you know, the dining hall didn't open till 11. Do you think you were more aware of like that process when you're an athlete or even now like post-college and post-athletic life of like, now that I'm not burning thousands of calories a day, I need to really watch what I'm putting into my body as far as, far as fuel goes. Yeah, so definitely something that was a struggle point for me when, you know, even sophomore year, I lived in a dorm style. I did not have any access to cooking. Um, It was really hard because as an athlete, you are trying to put the healthiest types of food into your body, but also you want to be able to feel, right? And someone who is a little bit more health conscious, I started struggling with my personal diet, not eating enough because you know, I I didn't love the options in the dining hall. And I felt very lost as to what I should eat instead. If I didn't have access to it. I mean, I tried having snacks, but it was difficult for me. But I eventually figured out how to navigate the dining hall, which is a huge thing that I, um, I believe that you can find healthy options in any dining hall. And I wish I'd found that sooner rather than later. Um, it's just basically looking around and grabbing different things, creating mm-hmm. different types of meals out of it. Um, but I definitely was very grateful once definitely. I had the kitchen. Um, and I would utilize a lot of just grocery shopping to what I could make in my dorm, um, especially breakfasts. Um, those got those were a little bit easier. I had a mini waffle maker, which was amazing. Um, and I would use that. But I definitely struggled with that just trying to also like you said we would end practice sometimes and the dining hall ended close at eight but you know they started closing up things you couldn't really get as many options uh, uh, the end. That was the worst. yeah so that i definitely struggle with because then you're like okay so yeah what do i eat and that's when a lot of dorm food came into play unless you want to spend a ton of money going out to eat um right that, yeah i would definitely say that was big but I learned how to navigate it a little bit towards the end. Um, but then we had our kitchens. <laughs> right. Like the, the upper, upperclassmen dorms helped, helped with that a little bit. But I think one of the biggest things that I struggled with when I finished swimming, and you talk a little bit about this on like your blogs and stuff, is not having a coach or a trainer tell me what to do for a workout three hours a day, six days a week. Like, yeah. I know this is a cop out and I know like my like non D1 friends are going to be like, dude, we did a, like our whole college career. But I think when you spend so many years with that type of mentality or that type of, you know, the access to that type of those types of people, I think you get comfortable with it. And I think then you're, you're used to it. And then when it's, when it immediately switches off, right? Like the second you, your last game or your last meet, that pretty much goes away. Like, yeah, we had access to the training room if we needed, you know, if we were sore, but like yeah. coach white wasn't giving us workouts. Our strength and conditioning coach wasn't giving us workouts. So like, how did you find like what you needed to do and how did you build a program kind of going back off of your time as a D1 athlete? 
Yeah. So first off, I would say I kind of tried to template my strength workout similar to, you know, what coach Anderson or coach white would give us. Right. Um, Cause you know, I knew that type of structure. I wasn't really familiar with other structures or anything like that. Um, and you know, at first it was a struggle. Like you said, I mean, I went from working out for multiple hours a day plus training room and all of that stuff to trying to be more of a civil human being and working out at a standard amount of time. Um, and also going back to like the food too, you know, scaling that back as well, but also in, you know, still enough, all of that stuff. Um, right. It was a very hard transition in my opinion. And the one thing that I did that I think my page helped me out a lot is because I found some inspiration out of that. But I just tried to keep structure, right? When, when you're an athlete, you have such a structured life, whether it's you know, your practices then and your lift is this time. I tried to just go to the gym every morning at the same time. Um, but I didn't really, I kind of just did some full body things just like you would when you went to the weight room. Right. Um, but I went home for break and I found other forms of exercise that I hadn't found before. And I started to really fall in love with them like Pilates and um, rhythmic spin or um, different types of maybe just doing lower body or upper body focus. So I started to structure. Um, but again, I wanted a little bit more competition in my life and I signed up for a half marathon. Yeah, that <laughs> uh, <is so> <laughs> that's kind of how I transitioned out. I, took a little bit to just do whatever I felt like doing. And then I kind of went right back into a routine. I wound up um, injuring my hamstring though. And I still did the half marathon, which probably wasn't the best, but that is when I finally figured out more of a structure in my day to day. I was like, all right, so I got to figure out I'm not just running. Um, I'm not just going to go into the gym and wing it. So I kind of started playing around with, different formats and working with what kind of felt good. And I still kind of use the same setup over a year later. Awesome. And yeah. so like another thing, right? Like based on your page and how active I see you on Instagram and the workouts that you do, how did you avoid the quote unquote burnout? And maybe you, you had one right when you were, right when you retired from field hockey, but like, like as an athlete, you spent, you know, decades, whatever, perfecting your sport, training for your sport, training for games and all that. And then the second that it's over, you kind of want to be like, I need to take a break. Right. But like, how, like, how did you like the days of after field hockey, how did you not want to pick up a, pick up a dumbbell or run on a treadmill? Right. Burnout is huge, especially for us athletes who like to just go, go, go. Right. Um, and we are kind of trained to just go, go, go. And I think I definitely did burnout. Um, and then that's kind of, you know, up until Thanksgiving, I kind of just, you know, let myself just be a college student. And I think that is my biggest advice for anyone who is ending their college career is, you know, you don't, you don't have to become like just a college student and lose all of your, um, physical fitness, like right. anything. I'm just saying even this set two initial weeks, even one month after just try to relax honestly and that is the hardest part um I kind of had to force myself a little bit but it was so worth it you know just not having you know a schedule day by day for just a second gives you such more clarity as to what you 
want to have as structure, right? You can have time right. to think and process and, all right, what do I want to do next, starting next week, right? But giving myself that break because you don't want to burn out. And, you know, even with my Instagram now, like sometimes I am just a go-getter type of person and I'll have all these, these thoughts and what I want to do. And um, between, I'm kind of doing like four different things right now. I can, <laughs> I can realize when I'm stressed and I'm like, all right, that's it. I just need to tone back. I'll use some old workouts. So I'm not thinking I'll use old like food posts that I did. So I'm not sitting there trying to take pictures of things and like prep them right. to post and stuff like that. Um, so I think it's really just realizing when you need that break and it might be longer for some people, um, and shorter for others. Yeah. And then kind of following up on that, like i what I really struggled with was after I took that break, I was like, this is perfect. Like, I don't want this to ever, I don't want this break to ever end. But then I was getting very unhealthy. I didn't look the way that I wanted to look. So like for someone who's trying to get like, okay, get back up on the horse, whether it's an athlete that took a long break or someone that's looking to lose weight or someone that's looking to you know change some muscle. Like, it's so easy to say, like, just do it. Like, thanks Nike. But like, how do you find a plan to like really get together and, and kind of formulate a plan to, to find the goal that you have, whether it's getting back up on the horse or trying to lose weight or whatever. Yeah. I think it's all about actionable steps. Right. But not, you know, saying I want to do this, 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 and this, right. Create a bucket list that you want to do eventually, but work on one thing at a time, right. If your goal is to lose weight or gain muscle or eating healthy, right. You don't have to go quit all the sugar and all the alcohol and start running five times a week, right. Yeah. Start actionable goals. If you want to start gaining muscle, maybe add in like a lift or two each week write down what you want to do on in a week basis. Think about what's not going to be extreme, right? Maybe it is just drinking a gallon of water a day. Actually right. much a lot for some people, but I tend to do it, but, um, I don't know how you do it. <laughs> three, two ounces of water. I'm telling you, um, those bottles, but you know, just one goal at a time. Once you try, once you achieve that goal, maybe you add in something else, right? Right. It's all about the journey of becoming a wholeheartedly healthy person as to, you know, losing weight just because you think it'll make you happy. Right. Mm -hmm. What are you, you're losing weight because, you know, you want to look like a certain way or you want to be healthier inside and outside. Right. Um, if you're trying to gain muscle, same concept. You just, you want to go step by step because then you'll burn out. Yeah, definitely. So you shared with me before we recorded this, that the whole goal of your page is to provide people with a source of being healthy in a manageable and a sustainable way. And as like to create wellness in more of a fun and easier way for people to enjoy. Now, a lot of people can criticize like the healthy way of living saying, well, you know, a Peloton is $1,900 or a mirror is $1,500 or orange theory is a hundred dollars a month. Like I'm not even like, we don't have to talk about the extremes of like Peloton and mirror, but like even a gym membership in Philadelphia or Boston can be 50 bucks a month. So how, like, how do we find more manageable ways to change that perspective? Right. I, I think it is crazy because first off, so many people, when they think of healthy, it means I'm cutting out all of this mm -hmm. and I have to do this exercises and 
again, spend for the Peloton or go to all the Orange Theories, right? Right. It's about a balance, right? I think this pandemic has taught people more than ever that you don't need your Orange Theory to be healthy. You can get your Orange Theory if that's something that you want to invest in. And I think that's also another concept is that you invest in your health for the long term, right? Mm. Um, you know, maybe instead of going to get, I don't know, a sweatshirt that costs $80, you know, you use it towards your gym membership. But then, right. you know, you can find all these workouts just because even on this pan- in the pandemic now, you can find all these workouts for free online, yeah. YouTube, or even like the studio I work for. Um, is online streams. You get 72 workouts a week, live or recorded, and it's $25 a month, right? All at home. There's so many services just like that, that you don't have to be spending a fortune. And you know what else is free? Is walking. <laughs> yes. Um, yoga, right? Stretching is still so important for your lymphatic system. And all these things that people, they think that they have to go to the gym, use the elliptical for X amount of minutes, do strength for X amount of minutes. And it really is one about finding what works for you. And if it's something that is going to help you mentally, you'll find a way that it's investable. And when it comes to food too, you do not need any of those superfoods. You don't need to buy the expensive, everything organic or shop at Whole Foods. Right. There's so many ways to live a very affordable and healthy lifestyle that's balanced, right? You don't have to just eat kale for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What do you mean? Like the the $15 sweet green salad isn't going to make me look the best. Like, I I mean, I could, if I eat sweet green, I buy a Peloton and I wear Lulu on the bike, I'm pretty much an influencer, right? (laughs) Um, Honestly, I would pay for a sponsorship. Yeah, right. (laughs) Please Peloton sponsor the podcast. No. We're going to take a quick break from this interview to hear from our new sponsors over at IPS Surf and Water Sports. This new partnership I'm so stoked about. IPS Surf is an exclusive water sport complex located right on Long Lake in the beautiful lake region of Maine. They offer personalized instruction for a variety of different water sports, including wake surfing, water skiing, and many more. Originally from Westford, Massachusetts, founder and world champion wake surfer Ian Scott found his love and passion for water sports at a very early age. He's dedicated to sharing his years of action sport wisdom with his clients and unlocking that true potential in people that they didn't even realize they had. Guys, entering a new element, especially the water, for many people can be an intimidating journey. So IPS Surf is here to provide a safe and specialized instruction to ensure their customers leave with a smile on their face and that feeling of accomplishment. With professional and qualified instructors, best-in-class towboats, and equipment, IPS Surf is more than ready to host you and your crew out on the lake this summer. It's just two and a half hours north of Boston, and to show our appreciation to our listeners, IPS Surf will be offering two very, very sick packages. We're going to have the normal guy package, and we're going to have the lazy eye package. So let me tell you about these. All right, so the normal guy package. You're going to get 20% off a two-hour individual session. So you can bring yourself and one of your friends with an IPS surf uh, instructor. This is more for the people that are really 
have an appetite to learn. The Normal Guy Package gives you the best opportunity to focus and improve your skills out on the water. This two-hour session will allow you for that ultimate one-on-one time with a professional instructor centralized on your development. Now, the Lazy Eye Package. This is gonna be your squad package. This is gonna give you 20% off a full day. That's six hours out on the lake with your squad. You could bring eight, nine, 10 of your closest friends. It's a perfect way to get the whole crew out there enjoying the magic of what IPS Surf has to offer. The Lazy Eye session will include everything you need for an exceptional day out on the lake with over seven different water sports to choose from. Guys, seven different water sports. You're gonna be able to mix and match with your favorite activities for the perfect session you have been dreaming about. We have all been dreaming about what next summer is gonna look like. This is an excellent idea for any family or friends outings, birthdays, it's just the perfect day out on the lake. And if you haven't seen any footage of like what IPS Surf has to offer, let me try and paint this picture. So one of the sports that they offer is called wake surfing, which is one of the coolest things that I've ever seen down on the lake. It's an endless wave created by the boat, and it basically allows you to surf this like clean and customizable wave with nothing directly attaching you to the boat. So they offer this like, it's just this like, you're, you're surfing, like I'm a SoCal kid, you're out there surfing, but you're out on the lake. They also have your favorites, including like water skiing and wakeboarding. They also offer more of those like technical sports for more of our advanced folks looking to step up their adventure game here, which is like barefoot skiing. You've seen those videos on on Instagram, wake kiting and surface latest phenomenon, hydrofoiling. So don't just take my word for it. Go visit IPS Surf and Water Sports up in Brigton, Maine, just two and a half hours from Boston to see for yourselves what the hype is all about. Go follow them on Instagram at IPS Surf and go over to IPSSurf.com to book those sessions. Now back to the interview. <laughs> so we're, we're recording this in October and you, you kind of talked a little bit about it, like this pandemic, we've seen a lot of ways that we can work out for free. You know, like even Gymshark is putting out things on their Instagram of like, you know, their athletes who are all look incredible by the way, but they're doing their free workouts and all that. But like, I think there's also a point, this is, you know, we're seven months into this quote, mm-hmm. you know, pandemic and quarantine. Like how do we spice it up? How do we find ways to okay, I've done the same run route for five months now, or I've done the same like body squats, body weight workout for the past seven months. How do we spice it up? How do we change things up? Yeah. I think honestly, Instagram is your best friend. In my opinion, it's where I get a lot of inspiration um, to create different workouts. But I think one of the biggest things is maybe reach out to your friends or kind of your community and kind of make it like a fun thing for like the group of you to do. I mean, we have Zoom now. You can all stream the same workout video, like one person finds it and you can kind of all do the workout together and keep you accountable then, right? Let's say, hey, guys, we're going to do our workout at either 7 a.m. before or, you know, after work. And each week, maybe someone finds a different workout video or you find a different program. Um, there's so many things that are out there. I, one of the things I would definitely encourage is because of this pandemic, there's so many free things, is trying something new that you would have never maybe gone in person to a class, right? Um, I never did a bar class before. I tried it over break and I realized that my calves were on fire from this. <laughs> right? So... I also tried a dance class. I'm not a dancer, but no one could see me dancing and I had a great time. I think it's trying new things that may spark a new interest for you, building a community, get your friends involved, 
your family members, whoever it is. Right. Um, I think those are going to be really key things to kind of keep your mental sanity in check too, you know? Mm. Definitely. And, and you definitely are a dancer. I saw you at SRW and all those dances at Providence. Come on, don't lie to us. <laughs> oh, man. Well. <laughs> okay, so can we talk about diet trends for a second? Oh, yeah, let's go. Okay, okay. So, you know, there are the popular ones, like right now, like then the kind of the ones that haven't changed much. You got like the vegetarian, vegan, keto, paleo, etc. But then you have these like crazes, right? Of like, uh, these like fads, like juice cleanses, oat milk just got just blew up like almond milk did a couple of years ago but then like even like gluten-free which in my experience i know that gluten-free is not more healthy than not gluten-free like obviously don't eat a bunch of pasta but gluten-free substitutes are not healthier so my first question is like why are there all these new crazes new trends every it seems like every single month right i mean it's because you know data scientists just find things right and they it's all research right it's all valid research but you know it started back in the the beginning of the 1900s you know each decade provided a different diet trend right um right now we're going through them just like we did in the past and Mm. you know research did show that you know maybe reducing this out of your diet for inflammation or um, just like the reactions in your body, chemical reactions, um, just the way your body digests things. But, you know, when it comes to these trends, I think it's really important to just kind of see, okay, when they say, unless you are, you know, celiac, wheat intolerant, or um, an allergy, or, you know, you have an autoimmune disease, something that does trigger inflammation in your body, right? Right. It's the standard knowledge saying, oh, gluten-free, um, you shouldn't be eating gluten. Okay, well, let's break that down. The reason they're saying this is coming to the foundation of the knowledge is certain gluten-containing products can cause inflammation, but that doesn't mean a gluten-free Oreo is going to be better than a regular Oreo. Right. Just says gluten-free. And I think that's where it becomes a little tricky, mm-hmm. right? And it becomes pasta. I love the chickpea pastas, right? I personally do like the taste, the f- texture, it adds protein, right? Right. But when you go into a store and you see a pasta that says um, just wheat, that's just wheat. It is a, it's very minimally processed. I just think you kind of have to look at it that way. If you don't have a problem with wheat and digesting it, that pasta, not going to be a big deal. It's probably going to be fine for you. Right. Right. Um, and then the same with dairy. There's so many things about dairy too. If you've lived your whole life without a dairy intolerance, just because the internet says you're going to have one doesn't mean you do. Right. I think you really just have to test things out for yourself. If you are, if you do see results from not eating dairy, great. Stop eating <laughs> dairy. Um, but the trends kind of make it seem like you have to do one thing or another, um, but realistically you, you don't, you really just have to listen to your body and like every, again, everyone has different genetics, everyone has different lifestyles and the way they react, their, um, digestive system is all different. So, um, I think you can take everything with a grain of salt. Definitely. But I think like, to your point, like it sells, right? Like the gluten-free Oreos, they sell like, and it's not like they're, they're not just getting the celiac market. They're getting anyone that's walking into Trader Joe's and saw an influencer post with them or like, like, um, oat milk, they, 
that that come I don't I think it's just oat milk is the company name but like they blew up because a bunch yeah. of influencers posted about it and like they're smart it's it's smart marketing no question right. about yeah. it but like that just because you know Kim Kardashian is posting about oat milk doesn't mean like oh this is definitely gonna make me healthy right exactly and you know what for everyone who is allergic to dairy or dairy intolerant and those who are gluten free let me tell you all the new products are amazing for them yes. And- I know a family friend who was diagnosed with celiac when she she's now in her 30s. Yes. Let me tell you, when she was a kid, there was nothing. So that is amazing. But right. at the same time, it's not always necessary for everyone. And I think when you see fads like that, it just, it does spiral down. It is a huge marketing thing. Um, you see, again, like a Kim Kardashian or a Kourtney Kardashian, you know, posting this you're going to automatically think you have to do the same thing. But again, mm. we all have different genetics and different lifestyles. Definitely not the same lifestyle as Kourtney Kardashian over here. Um, <laughs> well, I wish. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think just like all the other trends and all the other decades, it's probably going to pass and something right. else will come up. Right. Yet. But I think, I think like the most important thing to take away from these trends and these cleanses or fads and fat and health fads or whatever is find the one that works for you. Right. Yeah. Like, I think like to your point about the celiac thing, like, uh, you know, I have had experience with, with, you know, Eve has celiac disease. So like to your point, like 20 years ago, there was nothing available for them. And like the, the advancements made is incredible, but I think like for us, non, non allergic, you know, allergic whatever i think just finding something that tastes good or finding something that's going to work in your work into your diet is going to help right yeah and i think like you just said uh figuring out what it works for you i think is extremely difficult especially now given social media and just like you know your friend tries something and it works great for him or her and then you're trying to figure out why it doesn't work for you and yeah. you know what's wrong with me well, yeah there's wrong with you it's just you have different genetic backgrounds you have different stress you have different environment you have different lifestyles right um i think just like the the concept that everyone can share different things that's why it is sometimes hard on my page i do try to provide everyone different way like different recipes or ideas but everyone has a different diet that they are following right um so i try to keep it very open and you know, following many different, I don't post just one type of lifestyle, I think. Yeah, no, that, that has to be difficult because I'm sure you get a lot of DMs of like, well, I have nut allergies. So this, you know, nut, nut spread isn't going to help me or whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Um, my mom is actually um, vegan. So times when I make recipes, um, I make it vegan and not vegan. <laughs> oh, so, 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 Tuesday, so you go, okay, this is Monday's post. This is Tuesday's <laughs> post, but this is all Monday's dinner. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, so here's a recipe, but there's two different ways. So I can try to please everyone, right? Uh, I love it. I love it. So while we're on the topic of food, you do have one of the best Instagrams uh, when it comes to delicious food. So congrats to you. But do you have, do you have like a favorite meal to make at this point? Oh, well. You could like post every day. Like, you know, you shouldn't, but you want to. Oh yeah. Um, (laughs) Definitely. This is so basic. I'm not even going to lie, but I think that. I make these like soft scrambled eggs oh, and avocado toast and blueberries. I know that is literally the most basic thing, but for dinner wise, 
or anything. My biggest thing is an air fryer these days. I'm obsessed. I just got my one friend convinced and she just got one. Um, but <laughs> air fried salmon in the Trader Joe's chili lime seasoning is incredible. I'm wow. It so, is so easy. Go ahead. Yeah. No. So, so what is it about air frying that like makes it so much better? And like, I, it, it seems easy. Like I've seen them before and it makes it look like it's going to be the easiest thing to prep. So that definitely could help. But like, what's, what's like, what's the secret sauce in air frying? It's because it keeps the inside very, oh, I hate this word, but moist. Um, <laughs> we'll mute that. <laughs> um, and then the outside gets super crispy. Mm-hmm. So it's not overcooked. You know, sometimes when you bake something, cook it on the stove and you wouldn't get that outside crisp, you know, the inside just gets dry. Yeah. But because of the way that the air fryer works, it is a short amount of time um, and it just circulates heat um, all around the outside. It's perfect. I also am a huge Trader Joe's person and mm. um, they have this cauliflower gnocchi. Yes. It's amazing. The in best. The yes. The, the in air fryer too. It's so good. So that would be something I could probably eat like all the time. Wow. Okay. So what's the best meal then? Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? No breakfast. If okay. I had to pick uh, brunch. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I love breakfast and like brunch foods, mm-hmm. anything like that. Dinner I like, but like eh, breakfast yeah. all the way. Because yeah, I do like anything. Do you find yourself it's do you find yourself challenging right now with like the work week and like kind of these like I don't want to say unstructured hours because like we still got a job to do we still have to do our jobs but like waking up and being like okay well I don't have to commute to the office so but like I could just drive to Duncan or or Wawa sorry excuse me um Um, yeah actually I I think that working from home has helped my budget extremely yeah um because I don't have to get in my car anywhere I when I was working from when I was actually in the office you know I would go to the gym and right next to my gym was a Starbucks not great for my wallet um so I would do that a lot or I would maybe forget my lunch or breakfast and then I forget you're like "Mm, I'm gonna forget my lunch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would do that sometimes, you know, it wasn't yeah. the best option. Right. Um, but yeah, so like I don't have that anymore. So it's definitely helping my wallet a ton. Also not using my car um, right. as much. But I do actually like to get out of the house. So I do go to Dunkin' once a week um, just for, you know, a little change up. Um, I think that just helps me mentally instead of sitting and like not leaving the same right. building all day. Right. right. Um, but yeah, so I think with the whole structure thing, like you had said, with work, it does get difficult. Um, I am definitely very grateful because I have more time to make, you know, prior to this, I would make all of my breakfasts um, and I'd take pictures of them on the weekend. Um, every food, actually, everything I was going to post for the week was taken um, on Sundays. Oh, wow. And now I have a little bit more freedom because I'll make the food that um, some things are easier to just take a picture of like right off the bat. I mean, it takes mm-hmm. me like five minutes. Um, but a lot of things like dinner um, or lunches if I or baked goods or anything like that, it's all actually prepped on Sundays or after work hours. And I just have it saved to post it another time. Um, it. So it does get a little tricky navigating, but I have so much more time that I 
am at home now. So I'm very grateful. Definitely. And kind of going back to the budget question, right? Obviously, a lot of us are saving money now working from home, maybe not paying for you know rent or whatever it may be, but we still are recent college grads and we do struggle a lot with finding affordable ways to grocery shop, right? Everyone wants to go to Whole Foods. Should we all go to Whole Foods? Probably not. But like, how do we walk into a grocery store at 22, 23, even like when we were in college, like you said, you love to cook a lot while you were in school, balling on a budget, how do we walk in and not go get the ramen or the easily, you know, easily cheap option? So I'm going to say my one suggestion that I think everyone hates to hear, mm-hmm. is make a list, um, stick to your list and on your list, put something that you really want that week that might not be the healthiest, but put that on your list, right? Because if you put everything without one food that maybe like is your like comfort food or um, something that you just truly do enjoy, because I do believe it's an 80-20 balance, then when you get into the grocery store and you realize that you have nothing that you wanted, you start grabbing more. Mm. And I also believe in, you know, when you are creating your grocery list, I actually use my iPhone and I have just a list already pre-made. Throughout the week, I think of things that maybe I want next week, right? Like, oh, I want to get like um, chicken to make this, right? I'll put chicken on the list. That way I'm not just sitting down at one moment trying to say, okay, what do I buy? Right. Right. So let's say you were like, all right, I want to make chicken parm. You put all the ingredients for chicken parm on that list and then a couple of days later, you're like, oh, I want to, I think I'm going to make omelets next week. Okay. So you put eggs and what you need in it and you kind of yeah. build a list. So by the time you get to Saturday, Sunday, you only have to put a couple things in there. Um, when it comes to pricing though, right. And you know, you really want to be smart about how much you actually can eat in a week. Um, yeah. There's things that are shelf stable, right. When it comes to buying produce, some things last two seconds. Some things are very shelf stable. So, you know, um, some like potatoes, they'll probably last you a couple of weeks. So you can bulk buy. Mm-hmm. Um, the, but one of the other things is that, again, if you are shopping at Whole Foods, which in college, I didn't love the grocery store options in Providence. Um, yeah. The Trader Joe's was just a little bit, but there was Whole Foods and then a standard grocery store that wasn't exactly um, – I don't know. I didn't love the produce there. So my thing that I would do is I would say that I wanted um, to pick three fruits for that week and I wanted to pick five vegetables. And I looked online prior to see what was on sale that week, right? Uh, Because Whole Foods can get expensive, right? but you know, not being so like stuck on what you want to eat versus trying to get a little creative, right? So if the five vegetables are on sale, get them and experiment with them, right? It'll be a little bit cheaper. And if you wanted something and it was more expensive, buy frozen. Mm -hmm. Frozen vegetables are just as healthy as your fresh picked ones. And some of them are actually even um, more fresh because they're picked and then um, flash frozen. If they're not in season, then the process between the transportation, um, they start to be less ripe when you actually get them in the store. So I didn't even think about that. Yeah. So, um, utilize your frozen section for fruits and veggies. If you're making smoothies or stir fries, um, and then shop the perimeter, mainly grocery store list, um, have some fun things in there because you don't want to deprive yourself. 
Yeah, no, I think the making the listing is so important and, and kind of adding to that advice. I think don't go to the grocery store hungry either. <laughs> oh, gosh. I've done that way too many times, especially in Trader Joe's. Yeah, oh, that's bad. Not the best for my budget. No, because Trader Joe's has such like the cool little like snacks or like even like, like I found this harvest hash spread. Right. Or like like vegetable medley that I was like, yep, need that. I'm like, I, I don't need it, but I ate it for dinner the past three days. So, <laughs> of course, we're recording this in October and they came out with all their fall things. So, oh, guess yeah, spend a fortune on their fall things. Oh my god, it was, uh, it was, it was in my budget, but yeah, big pumpkin fan over here. <laughs> How could you not be? I, some people aren't, so I know I have questions, but <laughs> <laughs> so similar question though, right? Like, when when like we don't even like this doesn't have to be college related anymore because i feel like everyone's on this kind of like i have to be everywhere in five seconds i don't have time to make a five-star meal or you know a good vegetable with a good starch with a good protein that season i'm gonna eat chicken that i just found not on the ground but i just like you know that's right but like and then just okay some bell peppers in a pan stir that up and that's it how do we make a good meal that can also be fast and easy right so one of my biggest tips is whenever you're cooking one meal um make it double because Mm -hmm. that helps you in the long run you can also freeze that so if you're making chicken, veggies, and rice, um, make an extra serving. And if you don't eat it the next day, you can freeze it. Or um, if you are, you know, always try to keep something that is on hand defrosted or, you know, use beans or something that, or eggs, right? Something that doesn't have to be defrosted or won't right. go defrosted. Um, and then there's also some really good options like frozen burgers or, um, you know, ones that really just have meat or something in it um, mm-hmm. that, that you can just defrost easily in the microwave, honestly. Yeah. Um, when it comes to convenience, you don't have to just, you know, go for fast food or not eat or um, just eat a bowl of cereal, right? That's when there are frozen foods or your pre-packed meals that, you know, might not be the best as just freshly making it, they're going to be better than, you know, that bowl of cereal or not eating or going to grab fast food, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about making better choices, not being perfect about your choices, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times, you know, they say the rice that you cook on a stovetop that takes time is better. Yeah. Well, I also do have the minute rice because in a flash, you need that stuff. Right. Um, you know, and it works. And yeah. there's stuff like that meat products that will do the same. Some vegetables cook very fast, like mushrooms and spinach. Um, and also, don't be hard on yourself if you don't have a vegetable. Um, you'll live. <laughs> have what do you mean? You have to have green on every plate. Come on. Right, forever eating kale. We're talking about health and wellness here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but those are my biggest tips. Um, you know, in a flash, bars do yeah. spice. Um, they might not have vegetables. Some of them do like perfect bars, um, but you'll live. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And and so that's a perfect segue to our next topic. Let's talk about sweets because this would not be a conversation about health and wellness if we did not talk about sweets. And I know by your Instagram, you love <laughs> sweets. Ah, <laughs> uh, how'd you know? <laughs> oh, it's just, it's just glaring at me in the face with your perfect peanut butter cups or your, I, I mean, even like the pumpkin waffles that you made the other day. I was like, come on, you're killing yeah. 
<laughs> but how do we, or like, what are the tips and tricks on, like, I have a sweet tooth. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone does, maybe you don't, but I, like, I always do. I feel like I'm literally, I literally have one right now. Um, but like, how do we balance? Like, obviously like moderation is like the key here, but yeah. like, what's, what are some ways where we can make something that might be good for us and is also on the sweeter side? Right. So I think, like you said, my page does have sweet things because um, I do believe, again, like a healthy lifestyle, there is balance. And I think there's always room for sweets, whichever mm. kind you like. Um, I think when it comes to being healthier, quote unquote, um, homemade will always be better, right? Except for ice cream, go to your local farm. It'll always be better than your homemade. Um, but in my opinion, when you know, you're baking something, you can always swap out some ingredients, you know, you can lessen sugar here or there, or um, using maybe like an unbleached all-purpose flour. If you're using um, all-purpose, I use a lot of times oat flour um, and almond flour, not necessarily saying the recipe itself will be healthier, um, but- It's just like the little things though. Right, it's little swaps here and there. and I think also just looking at it as kind of like a sense of fun, right? If you're, you know, melting some chocolate over like peanut butter and then um, you make like little Reese's, like that's just a little bit healthier, but still going to get your um, sweet tooth. Yeah. Um, there's some chocolate companies that I love that are a little bit on the less sugar side. Um, but I think also, like you said, it is about moderation. I think mm-hmm. it is 100% fine to eat the cake or cookie or ice cream, um, maybe not have the whole gallon of ice cream. Um, but when you deprive yourself is when you start really getting that craving to eat like that whole gallon. So, um, a lot of times also, this is so weird, but I, this came from Providence college. Cereal was like one of my favorite things. Oh my God. Dessert every night at Ray with cereal. It's, it's not healthier, but in a sense, like in my opinion, I feel like it, um, kind of is but um yeah I think we just like finding things that work for you that you can swap in and out use coconut sugar or if you're vegan or dairy-free you can sometimes put in like banana as a sweetener Um, yeah stuff like that I think it's hard to explain because everyone's healthier is different than ours but there's definitely definitely a lot of swaps that you can go in and out with um that's what I'm gonna just try to provide on my page some options I love it. So let's change topics here a little bit. Let's talk side hustles here because we've got two side hustlers here. Uh, obviously, like the blog and the Instagram is not your full-time job. Um, you do also work in the investment and finance industry. So how do you find that perfect balance? Or maybe it's not perfect. Maybe you're still working on it. But how do you find that balance of my full-time job and this I don't even want, like the side job, but it's, you know, it is a passion project or it is a, a hobby, right? But like, how do you find that balance? Yeah. So I think first off, um, I'm pretty good at time management. I think that came from athletics. Um, I block schedule basically everything and I plan everything ahead of time. Um, but I do one make priority for myself, which would be working out and breaks Two, work hard every day at my job. Right. But give, you know, give myself the, a lot of time afterwards to do my work for my blog and Instagram, but that's, that's more of a passion project, like you said. So it doesn't seem like as much work. Yeah. Um, I do spend 
I do have very long days. Um, yep. And, you know, weekends I do a lot of the work that I will be posting for the week. So it is a lot, but I think one of the things I do is I reevaluate every couple of weeks to see if I'm, if it's going well, um, if it's not working for me um, and trying to navigate the system a little bit, seeing if I'm like overworking myself. Um, yeah. So I wake up, I do some work, I work out, do my job. Yeah. It's, it, it, it seriously does boil down to time management. And I think like, I think athletics definitely helped us there, but I think if you, if you allot yourself, like you said, the blocks, whether it's like, here's where I'm going to spend the majority of my work day doing. And then like, whether it is like, I have to work at the, on the podcast or the blog at eight, nine, 10, 11 PM. As long as I'm, I don't know, I, I, like I'm, we're talking about health and wellness. I'm like, yeah, go to bed at one o'clock when you're done editing the podcast. But you know, like, I think it's just like, yeah. if it's something you're passionate about, you'll find the time to do it. Right. Well, so that's one thing that I kind of like evaluated with, one, my biggest priority is I do get eight hours of sleep every night. I knew I will not be a functioning individual. And I know that is the only way I'll be productive is if I have that sleep, mm-hmm. right? So I try to shut off all work, whether it's Instagram, blog, at nine o'clock every night, um, give myself like a couple minutes or so, I go to bed early. That's wow. just what it is. Because um, I wake up, I do some work and work out before um, everything else. And it's kind of just like how I like to think about it. But then when you block out your time, you have so much more time than you actually think you do. Agreed. Like, all the idle time that maybe you're spending on Instagram or just watching TV, um, you actually have more time, right? So if I take an hour and a half to two hours after dinner, um, to work on some blog and Instagram stuff, that's really not that bad. Right. right? I still have time for myself. I still had dinner. I still take my lunch breaks, right? Um, I don't work through my lunch. I 100% take that mental break. Um, so I think it's really just important to really just look at your time and see where you have maybe a couple minutes, you know, Definitely. start a passion project. Definitely. I love that. So I do have to ask though, like, you know, I think you launched the page, what, call it two years ago now. Did, did you like expect it to be as big as it is? I mean, with 14,000 followers. And I mean, like, I, I, I think it's awesome. And like you said, like you never told a single soul of your friends. Like meanwhile, I'm like, please go listen to my podcast. Please friends, check it out. No. <laughs> no seriously. Yeah. I, um, I didn't tell anyone. And I remember my best friend finding it and mm. she was like, Matt, are you kidding me? And I was like, Hey, um, but yeah, actually, funny you say this. Um, my coworkers just found out today, and oh, I'm here you go. <laughs> text messages actually just came through, and I can't believe they found it. Um, I had like a couple of them, there, but that was it. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea. I honestly still, um, I have a very hard time recognizing, um, like success, and I don't really call this success, but I think other people would, um. And I guess like 14,000 followers is kind of a decent amount, but like- It's an audience. I mean, it's huge. Like think about it, like 14,000 people. That's like like uh, four Providence colleges. Yeah, I was going to say four Providence colleges. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but when I started it, it was like so small and I like never really thought it would get anywhere. But I am extremely grateful that I had it during this quarantine because I think it was so nice to have that kind of sanity check because it was yes. so fun to do, right? Yeah. Um, so I think that's actually where it took off even more because I started investing way more time into and thought process into it. Um, 
but yeah, I'm really happy with where it is right now. It never in my wildest dreams, I probably thought that I was going to end up quitting it, you know, after college ended. Who knew? Mm-hmm. Well, how many followers did it have when your best friend found it? Oh, only like a couple hundred. Okay. But still, yeah. I, you're hiding it from them. <laughs> yeah, no, they, people slowly have found it. And I'm like, wow. Like they'll message me that like people who went to college with them, like, so how long have you, have you known about this? Yeah. Yeah. Like me. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So what's the, what's the big goal now for naturally being mad? Do you have like, I, I, I know you're a big picture girl. Do you have like big picture ideas for, for naturally being mad? Um, I ha- I'm a very big picture girl. I have two kind of routes that I'm thinking about doing in my life. Um, one would be, I would love to help um, student athletes um, just with overall health wellness. I actually met, didn't really, I haven't said this to anyone yet, um, but by the time this ball comes out in uh, post comes out, I probably will say it, but I'm actually enrolled in nutrition school right now. Um, so I, awesome. really hope, I really hope to help in that aspect because I think a mental is huge, but I also do have a very big dream of opening up my own um, studio slash cafe slash um, work environment, um, kind of called a health house. Okay. Uh, a place where you can you know, socialize and I obviously this, thank God it's a dream right now because you can't do this in COVID, but, um, you know, a place right. where you have like a, um, a wealth counselor, like a financial advisor, but then also your workout studio, your cafe, your social happy hour. Um, cause I believe that health is, should be incorporated just into your overall well being. So all those aspects, your environment, um, really do make an impact. So I would love to open up like a big place like that. Health is wealth, right? I love that. That is awesome. That's, I love that idea. Please open a Boston location before you open a Philadelphia one. No. <laughs> well, I'm New England, so I went to school there. So who knows? Yeah, I, I love it. So, all right, Nat, uh, we do have one last question for you. We ask it for all of our guests. So you're not exempt from this, but I know you're young and I know you still have so much to do and so much to give, but you were to write your autobiography right now what would be the title of it and why um i think something along the lines of the journey is more important than the destination mm. um i just think that that's very impactful whether you are trying to be a collegiate athlete um or whether you are trying to you know run 13.1 or you're trying to eat healthier, right? When you reach your goals, if you haven't learned anything along the way about yourself um, and about just, you know, maybe nutrition or health or um, just anything in general, and you haven't had anything that was like an up or a down that you've had to learn from, or you've changed your mindset, then it's not really achieving that goal, right? Right. When you think about athletics, you know, your goal is to become a division one athlete, but what did you learn along the way to get there? Because once you reach that goal, you got to keep going. Yeah. Right. So anytime you achieve a goal, it's not just a dead end. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a continuing process. So it's, it's an ongoing, so that's why the journey never ends. Um, so that's why I think it's just, it's so much more important than, you know, getting that 13.1. It's a great achievement, but um, maybe you learned something about yourself along the way to propel you into the next goal. Yeah. 26.2, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> well, I love that. 
I love that. Well, Nat, this has been an absolute blast. Again, it's always great to connect with a fellow friar, and I'm so glad that we got to chat about this. And I appreciate you sharing all this insight. I do hope that the listeners learned a lot about health and wellness because I think that's something we really need to learn about right now, especially at our age and at this time in our lives. I think that's really important. So thank you so much. This has been an absolute blast. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, as always, go Friars. As always, go Friars. (laughs) All right, Nat, we'll talk soon. Thanks. So a big thanks to Nat for coming on this week's podcast and sharing a really great conversation about health and wellness. And I hope, like I said in the beginning, I hope you guys come away from this episode feeling better about how we're going to tackle 2021 in terms of our health and our wellness. I hope you feel rejuvenated, whether you're like, I'm ready to go out for a walk right now, or whether you're putting together a plan on how to eat better this year. I I hope everyone has a great 2021 and we're going to make this the year of you and uh, be sure to go follow Nat on Instagram at naturally being Nat. I'll leave links to her social media as well as her blog below in the description of this week's podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at normal guy lazy eye, where we're posting content from all the episodes, bonus content, you name it. Um, And if you are liking what you're hearing and you want to keep listening, please hit that follow button. So you never miss an episode Leave a five-star review. Whatever you do for your favorite podcast, be sure to do it for this one. I appreciate you guys so much. You're making my 2021 so exciting, and I will see you all next week.